Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go along so many, among so many? Jesus said, make people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dawn, for reading and on such notice as well as such late notice as well. <laughs> Um, so hello, my name is Michelle Lamptey and I'm an intern here this year at St. Paul's um, and this evening I'll be preaching on Jesus being the bread of life um, but first I just want to pray that God speaks to us individually um, and as a church family as well. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity um, to be able to think more about what it means that Jesus is the bread of life. I pray that as a result of this evening we will all continue to be able to trust in you deeper, Lord, whether that's for the first time or just afresh again and again. And I just pray that anything that's helpful um, will come and flow through me, Lord, and anything that's not helpful will just be forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So as I mentioned, I'm an intern here this year at St. Paul's along with Kieran and Lucy. I don't know where they are, but shout out. <laughs> and one of the, it's been a very interesting year um, doing an internship during a global pandemic. Um, and one of the interesting things has been meeting a lot of new people online for the first time. And so we've had various different groups that have been going on. And sometimes there's a whole group of us who don't know each other. And how do you get to know people uh, for the first time online? And so often a good way to do that is through icebreaker questions. Uh, so if you're a bit of an extrovert like me, you'll like love a good icebreaker question, but you also might be like, it's just a bit uncomfortable, you never know what to say in response. And so a typical icebreaker question that we might have is something like, describe yourself in three words. And I think it's quite a weird question, and sometimes you have these kind of internal debates going on in your head as what words to pick. 
You know, do you go for something um, funny? Do you try to play that kind of character? Um, if you say something nice about yourself, does that just seem arrogant? Um, do you go down the more self-deprecating route? Um, what do you do? And all throughout John's Gospel, we see Jesus introducing himself to new people. He's describing himself in different ways uh, to new people. And he's giving people an invitation, an opportunity to respond to him. Um, and whether they want to trust that Jesus is who he says he is, or whether they want to turn away. And so all throughout John's Gospel, we see these seven I am sayings. And this evening, we'll be looking at I am the bread of life. Another one is up there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and these sayings are carefully crafted throughout the, the Gospel of John. There's usually a pattern. Um, there's a sign at the start, some sort of miracle, which points to Jesus' power and authority. And then there's some sort of claim that Jesus makes about himself. And then we get to see how the people respond, whether they trust what Jesus has said. And this is carefully crafted by John. John's gospel is slightly different. It's not like the synoptic gospels, but he has a very clear point that he wants to make. And so we see it in John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, as we saw last week in the evening service. It says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John had a very specific goal to writing this gospel, that this gospel will point to Jesus, that these signs and these claims that Jesus makes uh, will help us to trust in him, to know that he is the Messiah, to recognize who he is, that he is the Son of God, and that in seeing these claims and miracles that Jesus did, that we will be encouraged to put our trust in him, to keep on believing. And that's my goal too, that throughout this sermon, something will stick with you that will help you to believe in Jesus and who he is. So we just had uh, read to us Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, that's the only miracle that's recorded in all four of the Gospels, so it has something important to say to us. So first we'll be looking at Jesus as the provider, what that means, how we can understand more about Jesus' character through the first 15 verses. And then we'll be moving on to the meat of this passage, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. What does that mean? How are we supposed to respond? And we'll see that Jesus is not only the provider, but the provision himself. And then finally, we'll be looking at how do the people respond? What do they do? And how can we respond as a result? So the first point, Jesus as provider. So we've seen um, in the first, in the second verse, we see um, the, a bit of the backstory. So a crowd have been following Jesus as they're seeing the signs he's performing. Uh, we see that he's been healing the sick, he's been um, helping people, and people are interested, so they want to know more. They want to follow and see what he's going to do next. So we see that in verses 5 to 6, um, that Jesus is talking to Philip. So we see Jesus look out at this great crowd that's coming towards him. And actually, when this is recorded in Mark's gospel, it says that Jesus has been teaching them all day, and they're getting tired, and they're hungry. And so he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? But I love the detail in verse 6. It, I think it kind of shows Jesus' almost cheeky side, because he already knows what he's going to do in response but he says this to Philip to test him. He wants to bring Philip into conversation about how to deal with this massive need that they have in front of them. So we see that Jesus is talking to Philip here and he tests him. And Philip, I think very practically, kind of looks out at this big, great crowd of people who are hungry and probably hangry and a bit tired. And he's not really sure how these people are going to get the food that they need. He's not sure how they're going to get their needs met and provided for. 
And so we see um, in verse 7, Philip says it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite, not even to have a full meal, just a bite. And so what happens is that one of the disciples, Andrew, brings along a boy, and this boy has five small loaves of bread and two small fish. And so they bring it to Jesus and see what he can do with it. And so Jesus sits everyone down, and in verse 11, we see that he uh, takes the bread, he gives thanks to it, he blesses it, and he distributes it. And the detail in verse 11 says that everyone had as much as they wanted. So they had more than just a bite, they had as much as they wanted. And so I think this is really helpful for us to understand in our own lives today. I think it's really easy to see so much need around us, whether in our personal lives or the lives of other people around us. And it's easy to see the vastness of the needs and how it just feels impossible or impractical to be able to solve those needs or to meet them. One kind of small example in my life has been actually doing this internship here at the start. Um, and so part of the internship year is that um, our bills and our rent are covered and we just have to look after our food expenses. So to just have kind of a part-time job on the side. Um, and at the, initially I thought, you know, that'd be quite easy, but then I didn't um, realize that we'd be living in a global pandemic and um, that it might be a bit harder to find a job than I initially thought. And in September and October and November, and there were many days where Kira and I were sitting next to each other on our laptops on Indeed.com and um, trying to apply to lots of jobs. And it's very easy to see rejection after rejection and to look at the need that you have and to think, well, how is this supposed to be met? I can see the vastness of the need that's in front of me and how am I supposed to provide for this? And I think it's really easy for all of us in our different situations in our lives to see how huge a need we have and to think how are we are supposed to provide for it and we can get overwhelmed or we can worry and because we don't know how to fulfill the needs that we have, just like Philip here in this passage. But when we can trust, when we can see that Jesus is our provider, um, then we can put our trust in him and that brings new possibilities and we can bring our needs to him knowing that he can meet them and sometimes in a way that we don't even expect. Uh, there were times through the generosity of many people, whether it's from family or from church family, where someone would even put something through the door, um, a nice voucher or um, something to shop at Sainsbury's. Um, and just seeing God's love shown through other people was really encouraging um, and helpful in those times. And so a point from um, the first 15 verses where we see Jesus providing for the people, something that stuck with me is actually how important it is to bring our needs to God in the first place. It sounds really simple, but can often be forgotten. I know myself that it's so easy to just get overwhelmed or worried and to think about all the practical and possibility, um, practical things or trying to do calculations in my own head. But actually being able to put our trust in God is really important as well. And so are we in conversation with God about our needs? Are we bringing them to him? Do we feel like maybe we shouldn't bring them to him because there's so many other more important things that he can deal with, so why would he want to deal with me? Or do we think that God actually can't provide for our needs so we just don't bring it to him anyway? I'd really encourage you, whatever the need is, to bring it to God and to put your trust in him. And I think that's one thing that we can take away from this passage. And so we see here um, in verse 4 in the passage that it says the Jewish Passover festival was uh, near, was, it was coming closer. And it's really easy for us as kind of 21st century readers to see that detail and just kind of pass over it. You know, it's just setting the scene or telling the time of when this is happening. But actually this detail even adds more beauty to the fact that Jesus is our provider. 
The Jewish Passover festival was pointing back to a time where God was the deliverer and redeemer for the people of Israel, where God was bringing them out of the slavery and oppression and evil and wickedness that was happening in Egypt and bringing them into this new promised land. And that's a bit of what we were looking at last term when we were looking at the wanderings in the wilderness and what the people could learn in those times. And so in the thinking about the Passover, this was a time for the Israelites to remember what God had done for them in the past. And we see in Exodus 12, verse 42, um, in the New Living Translation, it says this, thinking about Passover night. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. So in their own routines, they were constantly remembering how God had provided for them in the past. And I think that's something really useful and helpful that we can take for ourselves as well. To remember how God has provided for us in the past, how God has sustained us in the past. He's brought us to this day. He's given us new life for a new day. And in those times of waiting where we have these needs and we don't see how they can be met, it's in those times where remembering what God has done in the past can be really helpful. So I'm just going to give us one minute to quickly reflect on this, to think what's one time in my own story, in my own life and experience where I've seen God's hand, where God has provided for me. And maybe after the service, you can ask someone else what their story is and you might learn something new about what God has done. So I'll just give us a minute to reflect on that. Awesome. As an extrovert, I do hate silence, so I had to stop myself from trying to interject as quickly as possible. But it's really good to take that time out to remember the things that God has done for us in the past, especially in those times of waiting. And God was showing them through this story that he was able to provide bread for, for them. He was able to provide manna in the past for their ancestors, and he was also able to meet their needs now through Jesus. And so that detail about the Passover happening or coming close um, brings even more beauty to the story as we see that Jesus is the provider in that situation. God has provided for them before, for their ancestors in the past, and God can do it again for us today. And so, but sometimes we have to wait, and that's when it's really helpful to remember those stories. And so we see at the end in verse 15 um, that Jesus withdraws himself. He goes away to a mountain. And it says because the people there are trying to make him king by force. And they see how he's able to meet this really immediate need that they have. And they think that's all we need. So they want to make him king. But Jesus' plan is even greater than that. He has more things that he wants to teach them, more things that he wants to show them. And the way that he will bring in his kingdom is in a different way, through his death and resurrection. So he withdraws himself to a mountain. 
So as we move on to the next passage or bit of the passage, um, we've just looked at Jesus being the provider, but now we'll be thinking about Jesus as the provision, Jesus as the bread of life. So I'm just going to read verses 25 to 35, which will end on this claim that Jesus makes, I am the bread of life. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So here we see that Jesus is developing um, the story. He's been able to provide for them, but he wants this to point to a deeper truth, a greater truth, that he is the bread of life. So we're just going to trace the story and see what leads Jesus to this statement. So we see in verses 26 and 27 um, that Jesus is rebuking the crowds because they were only looking for some sort of temporary and physical fill. Um, so he says they've only come because they ate the loaves and had their fill. But they're missing the point. They've missed the point. They've just come there for more food. And as I was, as I was reflecting on this, part of me gets it. I was thinking of an image of um, free samples. I don't know if you've ever been to Costco or walked past a store that's giving out free samples. Um, and I admit, I'm definitely that person. When I see a free sample, I get excited. I have absolutely no intention of buying the product or going into a store. I just want something free. And I think, although um, I don't think what Jesus has done previously is some sort of marketing employer scheme, he's doing it out of compassion for the people. But the people just want something more. They just want a free sample. They want their fill. They want more bread and more food. But Jesus is rebuking them here because they're missing the point. He's not rebuking them because they want food, because he didn't rebuke them before when they were hungry, because Jesus wants to meet our needs and our physical and tangible needs. They're important to him. He has compassion for them. But when we just keep coming to God with our needs, when we're not looking for anything more, then he thinks we're missing the point. And so we've identified the problem here. We see the problem. Jesus is rebuking them because they've just come for more food. They just want more things from him. And so what's the solution then? What does God really want from them? What does Jesus want them to do? How are they supposed to work for the food that endures to eternal life? What does that even mean? So let's follow the story and see if we can find out. So in verse 28, um, Jesus, uh, they ask, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answers this. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I'll just repeat that. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 
So this could have been the penny drop moment. This could have been where it clicked for them. They'd just seen this wonderful miracle. They're following Jesus for more, but Jesus is trying to point them to a deeper truth. But it doesn't quite click. So they continue in verses 30 to 31. They ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So these people are just continuing to ask for more from Jesus, but they're not willing to invest in the deeper truth that Jesus was trying to point to. They are the same people who probably would have been fed by Jesus just previously. And as we saw that a crowd had been following Jesus, they probably saw Jesus healing the sick and doing other miracles. So they had seen plenty of signs from Jesus. But they just wanted another sign. They just wanted another kind of temporary fix. But they didn't want to, they, it didn't click for them, the deeper truth that Jesus was trying to point to. And so what is the deeper truth that Jesus is trying to point to? We see this in the later verses. Jesus says in verse 32, It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And what is this bread? Well, Jesus tells us, he describes himself to us, he introduces himself to us in this first I am saying. He tells us that he is the bread of life. And that whoever comes to him will never go hungry, and whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. But what does that mean? That might sound quite cryptic. But Jesus is saying here that it's the coming to him that satisfies a deeper hunger, and it's the believing in him, continuing to put our trust in him day by day, that satisfies this deeper thirst that we have. And I think this is pointing to deeper questions that we might have, or deeper longings. Things like, who am I? Am I enough? What's my purpose? Does anyone really care for me? Does anyone really love me? Does anyone really know me fully? Does anyone really know all the great things about myself and all the bad things as well? Jesus is, is saying that there's something about coming to him, there's something about putting our trust in him that satisfies and brings answers to those deeper questions, those deeper needs that we have. And it's not that the physical needs or the, the immediate needs that we have in front of us aren't important because Jesus responded to those needs with compassion. But it's that these things are supposed to point us to a deeper truth that Jesus providing in these situations is supposed to point to a deeper truth that it's trusting in him that is provision for us. It's Jesus that is the provision for us. It's knowing him that answers those deeper questions that we have. And so they mention um, in verses 31, they point back to their ancestors eating the manna in the wilderness. But Jesus is saying to them here that not only did God provide for them in that circumstance, but God was also giving them the faith and the hope and the love they needed, their ancestors needed in those times when they were going from um, the slavery in Egypt into the new promised land. God was sustaining them physically and also spiritually throughout that time. And just as how God had done that for them, for their ancestors in that time, God was doing that for the people right there, the people that Jesus was speaking to. Jesus himself was the provision if they would put their trust in him and believe that.
And so I think for us, we all have those deeper questions, those deeper um, longings inside of us, and we can once again, or maybe even for the first time, put our trust in Jesus that he can fulfill those deeper needs that we have. And so now, lastly, we're going to think about how did people respond? How did the crowd respond? How are we supposed to respond to this claim that Jesus makes about being the bread of life? So we see in verses 42 and later on in verses 66 to 69, we see some of the responses that people have. So in verses 42, they say, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? So just like the um, people of Israel were grumbling in the wilderness when they couldn't quite understand what, Jesus, uh, what God was doing for them at that time, Similarly, the people now are grumbling because they can't, it doesn't quite click for them. They can't quite see what Jesus is doing for them now, how Jesus is the bread from heaven, how Jesus can sustain them when they put their trust in him. Because they just know Jesus. They think, you know, we've seen this person. He is the son of Joseph and, and Mary. So why is he claiming to be bread from heaven? Why is he claiming to be the true bread from heaven? But we see a different response later on. In verses 66 to 69, we see the response that I think uh, will be helpful for us in how we respond. So I'll just read verses 66 to 69. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I really like what Simon Peter says there. Lord, to whom shall we go? Where else are we going to go to get those answers, uh, to get the peace that we need for those deeper questions and deeper longings that we have? Where else shall we go? I think that's a really good question we should ask ourselves. Because there are times where it can be difficult to see Jesus as the bread, to see him as the provision himself. And in those times, it's helpful to remember that where else can we go to answer those questions that we have or to fulfill that deeper longing? We need to stick with Jesus. We need to continue putting our trust in him and believing that he has the words that bring us eternal life. So we've looked at Jesus being the provider, providing for the thousands of people in the crowd, meeting their really physical and immediate need. And we've been reminded that we too can put our trust in God to meet our immediate needs. And when we're struggling with that, we can think about the times that God has provided for us in the past. We've also looked at Jesus being the provision himself. Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. That there's something about knowing Jesus, about putting our trust in him, that is like spiritual food for us, that gives us faith and hope. And we've looked at how the crowds responded. How some people turned away, how they didn't want to put their trust in Jesus. But for some people, it clicked. For some people, they saw that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Holy One, and he was the one who could answer their questions and their deeper longings. And so my prayer this evening um, and now will be that we will respond in that similar way. So I'll just pray quickly. Lord, I thank you for this passage about Jesus being the bread of life. I thank you for this claim and this promise. I just pray that um, after this evening, we'll all continue to um, know Jesus deeper, whether that's for the first time or ongoing, to put our trust in him.
And help us, Lord, in those times of waiting, in those difficult times, to know that Jesus is our provider and to remember what he's done for us before. In Jesus' name, amen.